G'day and welcome to episode 11 of the Wheel to Wheel podcast. Finally, feels like we've been absolutely forever between round one and round two of this 2021 F1 season, but the boys are all here. We're doing our review of the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix from this uh, round two of this year. So Varun, how are we doing today? Welcome back. Doing well. How's it going? Good, good. You uh, unfortunately couldn't join us for our second half of our two episode week last week. Uh, but you are back around here to give us your insight for the, the race review. So super pumped to have you back. And James, how are you doing today? It's been so long that golf season started and ended by the time <laughs> between the races. Yes, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm glad we got the Formula One going back again. We have to have a little a little something to look forward to because, yeah, like <laughs> no, a lot of people in UK that might listen to this might not understand, but we've had our restrictions here in Canada just absolutely be treacherous to us so thank god we have some f1 to watch and uh it's only two weeks till the next one uh i mean we say only two weeks but it feels like the three week yeah exactly the three week period that we just went through uh for this race from round one felt like it's a whole different season so but i can definitely say that it is not a totally different season because we are full of drama here so far round two did not disappoint um we had a lot of drama which we're really excited to get into in this episode uh just to begin with like we already mentioned it's felt like forever uh between races but in that time we have have had a little time for some complaining uh to go on in the uh paddock so we have seen obviously an aston martin team come out this season uh not looking as quick as a lot of us us three in particular have predicted Uh, You know, we expected a lot of our boy Lance Stroll, Canadian boy, and Sebastian Vettel. And they have had some, uh, I guess they're arguing their, uh, the low rake regulations that have really hurt their car this season. Um, So I know James and I were watching this weekend and just talking about the fact that they're going to be, you know, putting up a stink to the FIA, like a lot of other teams did with them last season. So it's a bit of a switcheroo where everyone was complaining about them last season. Now they're complaining about their car being too slow, not equal to the other cars. So it should be really interesting. I'll get your boys thoughts on uh, what you think about uh, their claims against the regulations. Yeah. I mean, just from my perspective, like obviously I'm not as technically well-versed as maybe um, some other people who know more about this topic, but like, as far as the rake is concerned, all I know is it's really just about the angle of the floor of the car. Um, so, and then obviously with these um, new regula- regulations that uh, Aston Martin feels is unfair. Uh, Altmar has been very vocal about it. I don't think I've ever heard the word rake used so many times in my life, just listening to him um, during the last race, especially when he was speaking to the Sky Sports staff. So yeah, it's disappointing because I think we all, like you said, had high hopes for um Aston Martin this year they they had you know the new color the new name everything was going right for them the, the world championship driver coming in and we all ranked him uh them pretty highly in our predictions so I mean there's still lots of time um I'm, I'm confident they can turn things around but um uh, for them to be threatening legal action I don't know if that's more of like a bluff um 
but it is something that it, it appears they have in their back pocket that they can use. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We have two weeks before the next race, so I'm sure uh, we'll have something come out about it in the meantime. And and yeah, like like you said, Canadian boy Lance Stroll and and Sebastian Vettel, uh, anything they can do, whether it's through legal action or their own development to, to help them get back in the fight, because um, the more teams in the fight, the better. Uh, we'll, we'd love to see it. James, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, it seems like they just got crossed in, or caught in the crosshairs of the FIA trying to reduce Mercedes' performance, and no one's giving them sympathies after the shit they did last year, so <laughs> I think they're just going to have to deal with it moving forward and uh, figure it out real quick, because that car does not look good. No, it is having major issues, and we'll definitely get into that with it looks uh, the sexy. show. It looks but great. On the track, it looks slow. It's performing, <laughs> yes, is what but, I meant. For sure. Caught in the crosshairs is a great way to put it. And like you said, no one has, no one on that paddock has any sympathy. So when they're going to be coming back, kind of crying wolf in a sense, uh, you know, when you copy the Mercedes car, like they did, uh, even if it's just bits of it and you don't have the same technical, um, you know, um, equity when it comes to, you know, the people behind the scenes that can actually make these changes and make the car better. When you look at them compared to Mercedes, it's very clear that, you know, Mercedes had a better ability to take these regulations and still make their car really competitive. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, you never know. They could have some, some things up their sleeve. And I get, and like Varun mentioned, it would be great if we could see them kind of regain their footing in the paddock and in the grid and be able to show a little bit more um, when it comes to performance, because yeah, I had, I have Vettel as my turbo driver on fantasy and I need to change that real quick. Cause he is absolutely doing nothing for me. So, um, yeah. And just when I do that, they'll probably find something up their sleeve where he like pulls off a podium or something, but anyways, that's uh, chatter for another day, but that's pretty much it when it comes to the, uh, lull, the three week lull, any news that we saw that was really notable, um, coming into Imola. So we were all pretty excited for this race. We obviously had our first episode ever uh, being the Shuis Hamilton episode, uh, our first ever race review, which is definitely a whole lot different than the way we record the podcast. Now it's, it would be pretty funny to go back and listen to our last Imola review, but we still have all that passion and uh, all that. So we're really excited to be back in Imola for round two of this season and uh, to, to have watched this race. Unfortunately, with the restrictions here in Canada, we were not able to watch the race together. So that was a little unfortunate. Normally, us being together, we're able to like talk a little more about what's going on and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, the government is uh, not helping us on that one. But that's, again, story for another day. <laughs> so um, we when we did look back at our first ever episode, obviously, we saw Lewis Hamilton um, another, with another lucky safety car was able to pull off a victory last year in Imola. James and I were pretty excited about that at the time because we did have some money riding on Lewis, uh, for that race. So that was a nice bit of luck that we saw. And just to give away the header of this episode, I'm sure you've already read it, but death taxes and Lewis on the podium, because it seems like every time he's racing around that Imola track, he gets a good, uh, good bit of luck that comes his way. And that this race was no different. Um, so yeah, pretty excited. Um, we got, when it came to qualies, uh, we saw Botas last year on pole. So we were maybe thinking he could do another great job around the circuit, but it's just such a technical cir circuit. And Varun, I know you wanted to talk about just the fact that there's so many people getting their lap times deleted around this track in qualies. It was so, it was so hard to watch. 
sometimes. Yeah, I, mean, I can definitely feel their pain because uh, being a, a pro F1 2020 driver, um, I've had many a lap times deleted, <laughs> not on this track in particular, but I, I definitely know the pain. So yeah, seeing my boy Lando, um, you know, that was so unfortunate. But it was a great lap by him. It's a narrow circuit, which obviously had its own challenges in the race itself, but uh, very narrow track, very technical, like you said. So um, definitely can sympathize with them or empathize. I don't know. One of the yeah, two. for sure. And the funny thing is, is Imola is not actually doesn't exist on F1 2020, but if it was on there, I guarantee you and I would never make a lap around the circuit because it no. is so many turns, so much undulation and it would not be any good we'd have to have all of the training wheels on our <laughs> on our settings in order to make it a lap around there but again that's why watching qualities is so fun around these kind of circuits because you really see who the best drivers are who can really keep it under control uh, unfortunately yuki Sonoda had a big big accident and was uh ended up being last on the grid for the race because he couldn't keep it under control rookie mistake we did see a, a big weekend from him when it comes to learning so um but when it comes to that pole position that we we all wanted to see who would come out on top and uh the provisional pole was lewis and right after that the next lap he was still uh no one beat his lap time so lewis hamilton took his 99th pole of his career which is just insane uh this guy is just putting up insane numbers and he's not slow, eh? No, he's not slow. Not slow at all. <laughs> so that was definitely a big note. We also saw, as Vroon mentioned, unfortunately, Lando Norris uh, have a lap time deleted that would have put him in, I believe, the front row or the front two rows of qualies. It would have been uh, the front row, I believe. It would have been second. Yeah, I feel like it was second as well. Um, unfortunately, he did have his lap time deleted, but that meant that Checo Perez was promoted to P2 for the race. So that was pretty cool to see his first time ever um, starting a race in the front row. Checo Perez did out-qualify Max, and uh, I did want to get your take on that. James, what do you think about your boy Max? Checo's proving on a Saturday that he can run with the big boys. I think this is just amazing for Red Bull that they finally have someone who can push Max instead of just Max pushing them. So it's nice to see. For sure. We saw a bit of a flip-flop this weekend where, you know, Max is usually the one to be stellar when it comes to Saturdays and Checo is usually the one where you'd probably say has a little bit of an edge on Sundays in the race. Um, but we did see a total flip-flop of that. So Checo did like, like I mentioned, um, start P2 in this race. And I think that's a good segue to come down to uh, the race itself and how Red Bull did make out. So uh, Max took some of Checo's um, took some medicine from him and said that he cruised to a win. He was, uh, you know, it was very easy for him. He had that one little mishap on the restart, the safety car restart, where he kind of lost it coming out of the last turn, but he was the lead car. So everyone had to follow him anyways. So he managed to get it back together and cruise to a, to a victory. Uh, anyone that was betting the under for how close the second car was going to be to him would have definitely lost that bet because he was miles ahead uh, of anyone uh, coming to the final finish line. And Checo Perez, unfortunately, you know, lost that position on the first lap with an absolutely epic overtake going into the first turn by Max Verstappen over Lewis and Sergio. And he just sunk like a rock. And uh, yeah, I think it was really tough to see Checo not as good on a Sunday. Yeah, it was unfortunate because James and I were, uh, were watching together and we live together. So don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> you broke there. But um. Yeah, it was, it was tough because we were both like expecting to see the classic Checo where he just fights his way back up the grid. And 
he he probably could have if it just wasn't for some unfortunate circumstances just where he was in the pack um james mentioned that he was caught in like a drs train bait essentially so like the cars ahead of him were all getting drs and um like we mentioned the track's so narrow and it's difficult to overtake as it is so with those conditions it's just yeah and on top of that it's it's wet and you don't want to get off the racing line so definitely understandable yeah, for sure. A narrow track. And then like you mentioned, wet, and it makes that line, that racing line even more narrow and hard to, hard to uh, predict. So um, the one thing too, is that Checo was in back into fourth place after his first spin, and then he spun again. So are we going to see this guy be that magical that he can jump up, you know, <laughs> the, make his way through the pack twice in one race, especially when, like we mentioned, the track is so narrow. Uh, that would have been very interesting, but he didn't, I don't think, yeah, he didn't even finish in the points uh so no yeah it was tough like, day for checo i was gonna say that the racing line uh segues very nicely into the mercedes drivers uh, which yeah. was definitely two <laughs> different ends of the spectrum of how a race weekend can go because lewis goes off the racing line with the blue flag george goes into the walls has an amazing recovery and then the other mercedes another inter- uh, another interaction with george car not quite in the same amount of pieces and yeah that was that was quite interesting to see how that ended up yeah no for sure like um you see and obviously we'll get into the, the big topic of the race but to see lewis go into the wall um that's that's a good point I, I totally forgot about that we saw him trying to get his car uh out of the gravel as quick as possible didn't want to get it stuck and just go right into the wall <laughs> and personally i thought that was his race right there like yeah. um you know you're in the wall it's wet uh there's gravel behind you what are you gonna do and then what does he do? He puts the car in reverse and just backs out right onto the circuit and drives on his way. And um, obviously we know how that ended up. And I, that just like, to me that the picture I get in my mind of Lewis is like a little fly on the podium and you just try to swat him away, but no matter how hard you try, he just, he just finds his way back up there. So yeah, it definitely shows his resilience. Um, we know he can win races when he has clear air out in front of him and, and no one to fight with. But um, when he, when he does face some adversity, he's just as good. And, definitely wouldn't be breaking these records if he didn't have the talent to do so. Yeah, it's for sure. And talk about uh, the drama midway through a race when you see Lewis go off like that, passing some of the back markers and the, the camera was focused on him doing his backup thing. And then all of a sudden the camera flips and you see Valtteri and George just absolutely destroyed their cars just absolutely destroyed and wondering like how did this happen kind of thing so um and it's weird to see that you know in those cut those frames uh you see those three different contracted mercedes drivers all having issues uh, at the same time so some would say that's you know what we want to see in the sport if one of the mercedes isn't in but we obviously george was so close to points like i think it would have been an absolute for sure thing if he would have got cleanly past valtteri on that that occasion um but it did not happen so i got to get the boys thoughts on this big accident we there's obviously been so much chatter back and forth um this morning george released a press statement talking about how he plans to clear the air with valtteri and you know that he's gonna learn from um the incident and stuff like that seems like he's doing a lot of learning at imola because this time last year he spun under the safety car so this is really a track that he might want to forget uh, Varun, what was your take on uh, the incident? So, yeah, actually, what you just mentioned is a good point to bring up, too, because obviously he spun under the safety car last year at Imola. Um, I think that was when he lost his first chance at points, right? And so coming back this year, um, that, that was probably on his mind, too. Like, um, coming back to the circuit where he made such a critical mistake, 
and uh, seeing an opportunity to pass the driver whose seat he's competing for um, in the car he wants and an opportunity to score some great points if he gets past him. You don't see a Williams um, fighting a Mercedes when it's not for the points, right? So I think George um, just saw the potential benefits of that overtake and, and couldn't bear to like pass it up essentially. And he was willing to take the risk. So obviously um, who's at fault is really up for debate. We didn't see any penalties given out. James and I went back and forth a little bit about it. Um, I think there's blame to be given on both sides. And that's really what my opinion of the crash is. Um, Botas has the right to defend. George also is entitled to try and overtake, right? So it's not like Botas initiated the contact. It was that Botas forced George off, um, off the racing line into the wet, which caused George to lose control and uh, eventually crash into Botas. So I think there's blame to be given on both sides, but to see that George's reaction afterwards, afterwards was what really was unexpected for me. Cause um, when he hopped out of the car, James even said he thought he was about to go over to apologize to Botas or see if he's okay. But <laughs> we didn't quite see that. We saw George give him a little uh, aggressive tap on the, on the helmet and then Botas flip him off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely not a lot of pleasantries exchange after that. And, and Botas did end up actually having to go uh, get checked out in the medical car, medical car. So good to hear that he was okay afterwards. Um, but yeah, like, I think if all you consider all the circumstances, it makes sense from my perspective, like why George would react like that with everything on the line. And he's a young driver. We knew he was going to learn from whatever mistakes he made. And yesterday, I don't think he acted um, the way that we all expected he would, but I think he got brought down back to earth really quickly because Toto came out immediately and said, um, I think what he, he said something along the lines of like, that's ridiculous about George's comments. Um, he got a lot of hate on social media, not hate, but like a lot of criticism. So I think that really like grounded him and made him realize that, um, you know, it's not like Botas's seat is his yet. He still has a lot of um, work to do for that seat. So the, the statement this morning was definitely a refreshing sight to see. Yeah, big time. And before I pass it over to you, James, to get your opinion, uh, I did one thing, just a couple of things I've noted while you were talking, Varun, is, you know, we were seeing that battle there with Botas obviously having a stinker of a race, but George Russell was putting that Williams in the points on merit. There was only one DNF at that time, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, he was in the points on merit. He was passing a Mercedes on merit with this Williams car. So um, like you mentioned, it was a very risky overtape take and uh, on both sides there was definitely a little bit of blame I think Uh, one thing to mention too is that you know Toto and every everyone wasn't just shitting on George I think there was also a lot of backlash from Valtteri and how he um, he did the situation how he reacted as well Um, there I remember like obviously I was watching I wasn't watching with you guys but I thought in my head at the time like because George jumped right out of his seat and ran over uh, and for a minute there, like Valtteri didn't move. And I was like, shit, like, is he, is he hurt? Like I, there's, he didn't take his headrest off for a couple seconds. And normally these guys jump right out of the car. So clearly winded, um, you know, clearly he's had some medical examinations there. Cause I was pretty worried for a second, but and then just to see him, yeah, actually go over, he probably was like, at first he wanted to make sure he was okay. And then he's like, you know, they started talking. Um, and after the race Valtteri even said, you know, he had no idea. You can't hear each other. It's so loud. Like you, you don't really know what each other are saying at that point. They just know that, you know, emotions are high. Uh, so I think both drivers are definitely going to take something from it. Um, I think Valtteri needs to wake up because he's in the, one of the best cars on the grid, one of the best cards ever. And he's sitting at the back fighting in the points with a Williams. And that's just, gotta be frustrating 
So uh, I think he's got to wake up and show something before the end of the season. And uh, yeah, James, what do you think about this? That was going to be the one point that I wanted to add on was Valtteri, the only way to not be in this situation is not to be battling for a fucking 10th spot. <laughs> for Mercedes, you should not be anywhere near that Williams car. And he was just struggling so hard. And they said Toto even came over the team radio at one point trying to fire him up and get, keep him going. It just, he was just having a terrible day. And like, if he was not there to begin with, he wouldn't be in that position. Mm-hmm. And for the crash itself, I feel like he did squeeze George just a little bit, but there's, uh, like Vital said, fault on both sides. Yeah, for sure. Very interesting incident. Very dramatic coming off of, you know, Lewis just going into the gravel, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and as we mentioned, while talking about last year's race in Emola, Lucky Lewis um, back on the podium, he found himself being able to be unlapped because of the red flag that ensued after that big crash. He got to go back into a fighting position. I believe he was eighth or ninth, uh, made his way through the field. He got even luckier when uh, the Ferrari of Charles Leclerc lost his communication with his team. Uh, They had a communication issue with their mics and weren't able to talk as much with Charles as they would have liked, if not at all. So it was pretty easy for uh, Lewis to make his way through the field at that point um, and make his way back up even past Lando Norris and finished in P2. Uh, so it's just crazy that he's so lucky. He literally should buy a lottery ticket every time he's in Imola. Yeah, for sure. And like, who knows <laughs> if there was, if there is a little conspiracy theory to be had about um, the team orders, maybe telling Botas to cause that red flag or, yeah, or George no. or George <laughs> or George. Yeah. George, how, how badly do you want that seat mate? <laughs> yeah. um, no, that's just, that's just some banter, but yeah, like, like you said, it is, a lot of luck for him to be able to fight his way back up or to have the opportunity, let's say, to fight yeah. his way back up because yeah. to fight his way back up like he did, I mean, you can't chalk that down to luck. That's, that's that was incredible luck. some incredible driving, especially when uh, he had to overtake Lando, who was just absolutely speedy this weekend. Um, the two Brits going at it and just thankful that we didn't see uh, the same scenario we saw with Albin, Mr. Albin, a couple of times where Lewis uh, took him for a little spin. So yeah, I like to see that good, clean fighting and, um, it was just incredible to see like Lewis just one car after another. And then what do you know, he's back in the podium spot and it's like nothing ever happened. It's not like, you know, 30 minutes ago, he was, he had his nose to the wall in the pit of gravel. So yeah, it was, it was definitely incredible to see, but, um, you couldn't have drawn it up any better for him. Like immediately afterwards, red flag, like you said, give him the time to reset and refocus. So. And with Lewis doing that, those crazy maneuvers overtaking so many cars, just showed how terrible Valtteri was to, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That car was clearly capable of going through the midfield, getting back up into where it should be. And Valtteri had so many laps and just could not put it together. So that just it just completely contrasts Valtteri's performance altogether. It just shows why Lewis is a seven-time world champion. Yeah, and I honestly like this all this talk about Valtteri. I wonder if there must be something going on, like some mind games with him, because um, we saw it. Like you know, there was talk of it already last year. And then the Netflix series just comes out right before this season and really like blows up kind of the, the uh, rivalry between him and Lewis and how he doesn't want to be considered the second, um, I guess the second driver. And obviously these guys pay attention to that. Like it's, it's for as big of a sport as it is, there's still a lot of um, transparency between like the media and the fans and, and what the drivers experience. They, they're very active on social media. So yeah, it could be, you know, whatever struggles Valtteri's facing, whether it's just like he's, 
not comfortable with the car this year or like maybe all this pressure about his seat being in jeopardy with George and all that is getting to him. Uh, it'll be interesting because it's two races into the year. There's still so much time for him. Um, but like, I think what you boys are inferring is that, you know, if it continues at this place, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be very tough for Valtteri to justify keeping his seat. Yeah, for sure. And we saw uh, George in that other Mercedes with one of the overtakes of the year last year over Valtteri. It's, you know, he's a nice guy. I like him as a person, uh, but, you know, he hasn't really shown us much uh, of late in that other Mercedes car. So, you know, like you say, um, his seat being in jeopardy, I think that's, there's no question about it that it is. Uh, how would Nico Hulkenberg do in that seat if he was the reserve, you know, like a reserve driver and had a seat? How would George Russell do if he had a full year in that seat? Uh, you know, so many, so many different options there that, you know, the time's kind of ticking for Mr. Bottas. So uh, <laughs> enough about uh, the Mercedes and Red Bull rivalry, obviously just to tie it back together with the things we talked about last episode, we've got a battle on our hands. We've got a battle for the driver's championship. We've got a battle for the constructor's championship. This is what the boys want. This is what the F1 community wants. So uh, thank God for that. Lewis is uh, Lewis and Max are putting on an absolute show. So um and I think the other, the other thing I wanted to mention too, is that's Max's 11th victory. Pretty impressive for uh, someone that, you know, has been racing against Lewis in a car that hasn't really been close to the Mercedes uh, for, for a few years. So. And just to tack onto that, uh, I think with that victory, Max officially moves himself into um, the list of top 10 drivers who had like consecutive years with a win, essentially. So obviously at the top, you have Lewis and Michael Schumacher, and then coming in at number 10, um, with that victory yesterday was Max. Uh, I think now he has a victory in six years consecutive. I think for our, however long he's racing, been racing. So yeah. Yeah. It's um, pretty impressive. Interesting to see and, and I'm fairly confident that streak is only going to continue. He's going to move his way up that list. And uh, like you also mentioned, just, you know, about the battle that we're seeing, I don't, I think on the radio, I heard Lewis go um, ask his engineer if, uh, if they were still in the lead for the constructors after the win or not after the win, but after the race, which they are, but just to hear Mercedes even have to confirm that um, is definitely a sign that we're in for a good treat this year. And yeah, for sure. Love to see, hear that. I think he, he was really interested um, about how, if he got the fastest lap for, for both the drivers and the constructors. Um, Cause he's barely ahead of max. So again, this is what we want. This is, we're pretty excited to see this and uh, moving on to the, again, that third party, that best of the rest kind of spot. Uh, where our boys McLaren have put on an absolute show so far, um, but they've also had some great competition. So I did want to move on to the driver of the day as voted by the fans. We had Lando Norris take that third step on the podium. Uh, him and Lewis became the 699th and 700th British drivers to stand on an F1 podium, which is pretty impressive considering this is the 71st year of uh, Formula One. And we've seen... Um, that many British drivers stepping on podiums. Uh, obviously Lewis helps that number, uh, as we say, death taxes and Lewis on the podium, but uh, it's pretty impressive to see. Lando Norris has proven that he is comfortable in that McLaren this year. Um, obviously uh, with his teammate being new, I think Daniel will take some time to, uh, to adjust, uh, but he's still putting up decent points as well. He's just not really uh, having as much pace right off the uh, start this season. And I did, I know Varun did want to talk about uh, the team orders that we saw, just like, as we just mentioned, Norris has proven his pace. He, you know, we weren't too sure right at the beginning of the race, if uh, which McLaren was going to have more pace. And it was so clear once Daniel let 
Lando through that that his pace was there. Yeah, absolutely. Like we saw Lando pushing up to Daniel. Um, James called it first. Like he was wondering if some team orders were going to come through the radio. And then I think just a few seconds later, that's exactly what happened. Um, Lando was let by and it was immediately clear, like you said, um, that he had the pace. And we even heard Danny Rick, you know, good guy, a lot of experience, um, good teammate. He said after, after the race that it was the right decision for sure to let Lando by and it proved itself for sure. Um, so yeah, like, like you said, Daniel's obviously going to need some time with this car to get adjusted. Uh, he's shown pace before, obviously before this weekend in the car. So it's not like there's anything to be too concerned about. And uh, I'm not really sure what his record has been like in the wet, but maybe that played a factor as well. So uh, I'm not worried about Daniel at all. It was just a little bit disappointing to see um, kind of a tough result from this year. Or yeah. sorry, this, this race. Yeah, awesome. for sure. And, and he even mentioned after that in the press conferences that the pace is there. It's good to see his teammate up there uh, racing for podiums and, you know, uh, getting points for the team. That means, you know, that he has something to look forward to. It's not like Lando's outperforming the car and that the pace is kind of artificial. Daniel knows he can get there. It's going to take some time, but I know that he's excited. So all in all, our boy McLaren, our boy, our team McLaren has been uh, doing pretty well so far this season. Nice to see them both finishing in the points in uh, both rounds. And uh, it's been, it's been uh, awesome to see them race. Um, moving on to that other team that no one expected to be this close to the top uh, podium is Ferrari. We saw Charles Leclerc, who we know can, you know, have a little bit of artificial pace, outperform the, his machinery. Uh, he was able to qualify P4 and finish P4 with a solid race. As I mentioned, he had those communication issues with his uh, engineer and still being able to come out in P4 is very, very impressive. And uh, James and I talked about it yesterday right after the race, but my boy Carlos Sainz uh, coming from P11, I knew, uh, and most people do know that he loves, he loves, he loves the rain. He loves a wet race. So he came his first lap. There's been um, posts on social media with uh, showing his first lap of the race. It was one of those ones where it looked like easy mode and he was on his uh, intermediate tires, just passing, passing, passing. Super fun to watch him. Uh, I know James got a kick out of uh, some, some chatter with his engineer uh, when he went off into the gravel early on in the race. James, I, I think you have the wording, but what did he say again? Relax, guy. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> He's pushing. <laughs> so even with that, even with him going off in the gravel a couple of times, coming out with a P5, uh, starting in 11th in this circuit was absolutely impressive. Ferrari is real, is the real deal. Um, one of their home races this year. So it was nice to see them have, an, have a good finish. Um, and again, Carlos in the wet, I had $5 on him to win about 900 bucks, but I don't know, there would have had to be absolute chaos for him to get up into P1, but I was praying for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And just to add on, like Greggy, I know you've always loved Carlos and the more I watch him, the more I actually think that this guy's like an incredible driver. I've always known he's good, but, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe just the Spaniard in the Ferrari, like his, uh, like one of his idols, Alonso, just amazing to see. And, um, yeah, driving in the wet, that's like definitely a, something you can boast about just having that skill um, that rain doesn't scare you and that it's like a really um, just an opportunity for you to thrive. Because I mean, wet races are not not like extremely rare in F1. We do see them quite often and to have that edge on other drivers is a huge asset. So I'm excited um, and I'm really happy to see Ferrari prove my predictions wrong so far. 
I would be happy to see them do well. Um, and yeah, like just, just to have both drivers in that fight too is, is great to see. Yeah. I definitely feel like we, at the start of the season, we, we, we all kind of undershot where they would be when it comes to uh, how much closer they'd be to the top. And uh, we really overestimated Aston Martin. So they've done a little bit of a switcheroo. If not, Aston Martin's been way worse <laughs> than we, we were a bit too, maybe a bit too conservative in our predictions off of going off of last year and didn't give the um, off season changes or lack thereof in the case of Aston Martin, maybe um, enough credit. Yeah, for sure. So James, you'll be on the uh, variance reporting side of things when it comes to our, uh, our spreadsheets for our guesses. I'm excited to see uh, how you can crunch the numbers there and uh, tell us uh, how off we were when it comes to Aston Martin, but it is good to see, like we've always said, Ferrari needs to be quick for formula one and uh, I'll take it with my boy, my boy, Carlos being up there. So um, those are it for pretty much the major notes. Uh, I did want to mention, obviously there was a lot of memes about Pierre Gasly starting on the wets and just like when he would be able to get into the pits and get off them. Cause he was dropping like an absolute rock, which he's had some very, uh, unlucky times to begin this year but he did finish in p7 which is pretty nice he had a good comeback drive to finish in the points after an absolute hilarious first stint on those wet tires um it was tough to see um and then we obviously had lance stroll who is another guy that's a fan of wet racing uh he pulled off a nice p8 um for the aston martin squad and then we had the two Alpines finish the 9-10 and round out the points uh, because of Kimi Raikkonen getting a um, safety car time penalty. So it's nice to see Fernando pick up a point. Um, Esteban Ocon is doing really well in that Alpine, Alpine honestly. He's, uh, there was at one point when I actually had a match bet for Alonso to be higher than Ocon, and I was looking... Um, with probably 20 laps to go and Alonso had two places on him and then all of a sudden I looked and Ocon was ahead of him and I was like I don't understand how that happened like was there another sandwich wrapper incident I don't understand so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all in all um, definitely a learning weekend um, when it comes to a lot of different teams we had an absolute shit show of a start for the Aston Martin boys and the, the fires and Vettel not having his tires on so it was just an absolute shit show. We don't have to shit on them even more because I feel like we've shit on them a lot this episode. But what do you think, Rune? Yeah, and I think obviously we can't go out without giving a, a Mazepin update. Did finish the race. <laughs> um, not without any, any spins, though, because he did take out Latifi. So at and least he spun at the end. He did spin near the end of the race and he ended up finishing over a minute behind his teammate, Mick Schumacher. So two laps down on the Haas boys. They are the two cars that just are just happy to be out here on the racetrack with the big boys because they have absolutely no shot this year. Um, yeah, you know, they, yeah, they packed it in with uh, having the two drivers. When you look at the classification of this race, they actually have Vettel who DNF'd higher than Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin, Mazepin because they were both two laps down. So really? very, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure. Uh, again, we're not technical experts, but maybe like he made it more kilometers before he DNF'd than Schumacher and Matt. Yeah, percentage of the race, I think. Yeah, yeah, something to the percentage of the race, I think. But yeah, yeah, just just interesting to see him finish. I don't know how many more of those <laughs> he'll get this year, so I think he'll definitely cherish it. But um, he did keep true to his form by causing at least one spin. Yeah, yeah, you tops, uh, tops F one card collectors out there as we post on our Instagram I wonder if they will have a memorial card from Nikita Mazepin finishing a Formula One race <laughs> um, 
could be interesting to see two laps like down by the end of his career. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might be the only thing, one of the yeah. only things he does. So um, all in all, like I said, a big learning weekend when it comes to rookies, Yuki obviously had um, some mishaps, um, fell back in the order, did not end up finishing in the points. Uh, and then these two Haas drivers also um, having some spins, Mick had a spin of his own. So lots of learning to be done, but this is only round two uh of 23 hopefully 23 we have got some you know news that the canadian grand prix is at risk which really makes us sad here in canada but hopefully um you know the government at that time lets it go through and we can get these formula one drivers racing in montreal again because i have yet to watch a live race uh not in person but i just mean even on tv live for the montreal grand prix so i'm pretty eager to to do that because obviously as you guys know if you followed our podcast uh we just started watching over covid so there has not been a grand prix uh but boys i think that was a pretty good um imola review we had two we've had two imola races uh, so far to review on our podcast and they've both been absolutely jam-packed with drama so um we've got two weeks a little under two weeks uh, until portugal so another race that returns from last year's calendar you boys both excited for that one absolutely oh yes Exactly. It was a good time in Portimao, so. Right on. And um, we will be hopefully able to talk a little more during that race and then give another review for you guys. Um, and then soon enough, we'll be able to watch races together soon and golf. And that again, I don't want to be, I don't want to end this in a depressing way because two weeks, we got another F1 race. That's where our heads are at. So thank you guys so much for watching. I uh, really appreciate the support on our last two episodes. And um, you can continue that support by following us on our Instagram at wheel to wheel pod. And we will see you guys in Portugal. Later.